Welcome to this latest episode. Go ahead, lead us in. Nope. Okay. Would you even know what to do? I don't think so. I think I could try. Go ahead. Let's see how it would go. Welcome to the latest episode of The Fellowship. I'm your host, Mr. Adam Hawk. Nope, you're Ryan. I'm saying it if I was you, you idiot. Okay. You want me to take it from here? Yeah, please. Welcome to the fellowship, or as we are calling it this week, the pain cave. <laughs> Welcome to the pain cave. My name is Adam Hawk. I am joined, as always, by Ryan Engel, just a couple of aging men who once famously and simultaneously pulled their hamstrings putting on golf shoes at the San Diego Country Club. Damn, that was a day. That was a day. Yeah. We pull up to SDCC, get out of your van, go to the back. No, it wasn't. It was after we stuffed our faces full of lunch. Oh, right. And then we went back to the car to change, and we were all full, walking around like overgrown Oompa Loompas. Yep. And we just waddled over there, put our cleats on, and went, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, yesterday, we both pushed our bodies past the limits, and now we are each paying for it dearly. More on that coming up in just a minute. But I just, I just want to tell you, Adam. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in my life that my hips hurt. Oh, really? Like, I have, I have sore hips. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Could you swing a golf club right now if you had to? Probably, because my, my swing is all just like homemade, timing, handsy, throw the arms, cup it. I do it my way. I'm like the Frank Sinatra golf swings. Here are the topics coming up for you on this week's podcast. The Undefeated Neon Cheetahs. The Shriners Children's Open, and the Long Beach Half Marathon. And we will prove the point that girls U8 rec soccer, fall pro golf, and participation medals are always and will always be far more interesting than the NFL. And that's because, quite honestly, anything and everything is far more interesting than the NFL. But let's start with golf because, after all, this is a golf show. And before I get to the Shriners, let's talk about the big bird at San Clemente Municipal Golf Course. You played on Wednesday in the Gillis Group, and you had the big bird, the eagle on oh, the par five. I was like, what are you talking about? The eagle on the par five, 12th hole. As boring as it is to hear someone recap their golf game, I'm actually quite interested in this because I called you afterwards and said, how'd you play? You said, eh, whatever. You know, I had a couple of birdies and an eagle. And to me, if I had a couple of birdies and an eagle, I wouldn't be like, eh, whatever. I would be freaking the hell out, texting everyone I know about my birdies and eagle. But this was just ho-hum for you. But why don't you walk us through the 12th hole, a beautiful par five at San Clemente Municipal Golf Course, and tell us how you made the big bird. Overall, in recent rounds... I've been driving the ball a lot better. And when you start doing that, every now and then, you hit one on the screws. And nowadays, when you do that, you get those boom, boom knucklers that just take off a little different than the rest. I lined up down the left side to play that cut. And there's that little speed slot on the top. And you get a little bit of a kick forward. And I just got one there. I wasn't trying to kill it. Just hit it smooth and right in the middle. And it just went down there quite a ways. Here's the best part of the story. So we get down there. Some cheese sandwich. I call old grumpy golfer guys, I call them cheese sandwiches. So this cheese sandwich is in our fairway from 11. You can already tell that this cheese sandwich got an extra slice on his sourdough because he's already all grumpy that he can't go up and hit his fucking ball because he's got to wait for 
Geoff to hit over him. So it finally goes up. Geoff hits. Now I'm driving to my ball because I'm over on the side of the fairway. So now I'm coming into his environment because our balls are right next to each other. So he stops and he's like looking at me like, oh, should I wait for you? Should I wait for you? But he's not talking. So I was like, go ahead, bud. Looks like you're fucking ready. Hit the fucking ball, you know? So he goes up there, takes a full practice swing divot with a five wood, then goes up to the ball and hits kind of this like clobber, toey little draw through the window and back into the fairway. It wasn't like a great shot, but it's in play and he got out of trouble or whatever. And I go, nice shot. And he just looks me in the eyes and walks by me and just gets in his cart and drives away. I look at Geoff and Ryan. I was like, why do people suck so hard? Mm. What the fuck, dude? What is that? When you're around town, Adam, and you get the door for someone, you're walking by someone, you make eye contact, even if it's just a little head nod, you don't even have to say hi. Just the common courtesy of like, hmm, a head nod or or your eyes. When you can't return that in real life, what's wrong, dude? Just a little acknowledgement goes a long way. I feel like that sets you up for a better day if you just participate in common courtesy. It's a little bit of a social tucking your shirt in, Adam. So anyways, this cheese sandwich dumps it over there. And I look over at Rye and I was just like, fuck these guys. And I'm not as competitive as once was, but there's always still that little pilot light in the furnace that's ready to kick off and get that house at 72. This guy just kind of put a little butane on my pilot light. I'm hitting old school hoag skis. So I had like, I think 200 on the dot or something like that. So I hit a five iron. You know me, I like to cut just about every shot. And I'm getting up to that ball and I'm just like really feeling like a high draw right here. So I kind of line up over the bunker on the right and I just hit the most beautiful five iron high late draw and it's just going right at the flag. And I hit it so good, I was just kind of like, get down. The pitch mark was about three paces right of the cup, but hole high and the pin was in the back. So it trickled back and I was right on the fucking collar. I was on the green, but like backstroke hitting the collar. Those putts are tough. Mm -hmm. So the eagle is nice, but long story longer, it always feels good to make one of those putts where it's all fucked up. Usually you get taxed on those. Big shout out to Geoff Extreme Overstreet gave me the pro tip on that putt. And he said, you know what helps me on those is you kind of like toe those on purpose because you got to lift the putter up. You're almost hitting like a trap. You know, you're not hitting a normal low putting stroke that's kind of skimming the turf, you know? I kind of like leaned forward, put it on the toe, stayed on my line, like kind of picked the putter up quick, trap kind of popped it, and the thing just fucking jarred out right in the center. Caca. You love a big bird. Honestly, it probably took you less time to play that hole, cheese sandwich and all, than it did to recall that hole here on the podcast. Well, your brother included, a lot of people have complimented me on my storytelling, so fuck you, Adam. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, you asked, they listened, I story told. What more do you want from me, dude? Congratulations on the big bird. It did get me thinking about what are some things on the golf course that you want to accomplish that you haven't accomplished yet. Because when you texted me that you had made Eagle during your round on Wednesday, I've never made an Eagle. I've also never made back-to-back birdies and I've never made a hole in one. These are three things that come to mind. If someone were to ask me, what are some things that you have not yet accomplished on the golf course that you would like to accomplish? You've done all of those things numerous times. Is there anything that you have not done on the golf course that you hope to do one day and one day soon? Well, considering you haven't done those things and I have to make this answer even shorter. Nope. No, in all honesty, I'd love to, uh, to beat your 
personal best. And your personal best 69. Is? Nice. On a par 72. I'd love to beat my personal best. I, and I'd love to just have like that one career, like really low round. For me personally, I've never been that player that like goes really low. I'm just really consistent at my score. Like mm. if you pull up my gin or however you pronounce it, I know we've had this conversation before. Is it gin? Gin? What is it? Gin. Gin. Anyways, if you pull up my gin, it's just like, holy shit, this guy shoots the same number like fucking 90% of the time, you know? So I'm never that guy that like has that super low round. So I guess that would be a milestone for me to like put it all together one time. I don't know. The Shriners Children's Open in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tom Kim came in as the defending champion and he leaves as the back-to-back winner, becoming the youngest player to win three times on the PGA Tour since Tiger Woods. So he is off to a fast start. But to me, the Shriners, this edition, will be remembered for Lexi Thompson, who showed up to compete with the guys on a sponsor's exemption. There are a few angles to cover here with Lexi Thompson playing, the first being a woman playing on tour with the men. There is precedent for this. Lexi Thompson is the seventh woman to tee it up in a PGA Tour event. The other six are Babe Zaharias, Shirley Spork, Annika Sorenstam, Susie Whaley, Michelle Wee West, and Brittany Lincecum. The only woman who has ever made the cut in a PGA Tour event is Babe Saharius, who did it twice back in 1945. Didn't Michelle Wee almost make the cut? Almost, but she did not. Yeah. And she played in a number of PGA Tour events with the men. She played at the Sony Open. That's a tough track. As a 14-year-old. But anytime a woman plays in a men's event, that particular woman seems to be judged by whether or not she makes the cut which to me is wrong. I think just showing up to slap it around with the guys is a massive accomplishment and a step forward. And quite frankly, it's brave as hell because the media coverage is insane. And for better or for worse, everyone seems to attach this massive burden to the female player that her performance that week is some sort of end-all, be-all indication of the women's game and women as athletes and players, which is just so unfair. Lexi could have shot a pair of 90s, and it doesn't mean she sucks at golf, but she didn't. She shot 73-69 and missed the cut by one shot, and she was inside the cut line until her 35th hole on Friday when she made a bogey on a par 3. So she acquitted herself extremely well. And before we get more into that, let me ask you, Angle, how do you feel about women playing in men's events? Because I absolutely love it. How do you feel about it? Uh, Well, technically, the PGA Tour isn't a men's organization. Good call. It's whoever's good enough to be there. Obviously, she got a sponsor exemption, so she didn't truly earn the spot. It was given to her, but that's cool. Right. She didn't earn it in the sense that she didn't play her way into the field. She didn't go to a Monday qualifier. She didn't go through Q school. She didn't jump from the corn ferry to this. No, but she did enough in the women's game to get that call. When was the last time she won on the ladies tour? I don't know. I think she earned it in the sense that she made herself the person that they were going to call when they wanted to put a woman in the field. But I love it because it's a reason to watch. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's a classic battle of the sexes. I love the inspiration to the other women and the girls watching. I love that it's a meritocracy because as Rasheed Wallace once famously said, that ball don't lie and golf don't lie. You can play or you can't and she clearly can play. Before the event, Peter Malnati, the 202nd ranked player in the world, called Lexi Thompson's exemption into the event a, quote, gimmick, end quote. 
She hasn't won since 2019. I just looked it up. And before that, she won one the year before, two the year before that. And it was just basically like one win a season. Is she an awesome golfer? Yeah. Is she as great as the quote unquote media has made her out to be? No, she's not. There are girls on the LPGA tour that are dominating, that have dominated, that are way better than her. How come they didn't get the call? Here's my problem with the sponsor exemptions. You have a tournament and organization and club that puts on the best event of the year. Everything they do is no secret. Augusta does the best job. The same can be said about the competition aspect of what they put on. The people that they give exemptions to are past champions. They've earned that. And they give their exemptions to people who have won around the world, whether it be continental amateur titles or professional titles. So you play your way on to do it so that they have all the champions from the past year battling out to be the master of golf. Did she really earn that spot or was it kind of gimmicky? Now, is that harsh to say it like that? 100%. But like I said before, the key to being a good person is two things can be right and two things can be wrong at the same time. He's right and wrong. Here's my thing on Peter Malinati calling this a gimmick. Yes, he's right. It's a gimmick. But guess what? So is everything. Slapping a little white ball around a giant grass field for millions of dollars because it entertains a certain segment of the population is by definition a gimmick. Let's not pretend like we're curing cancer or negotiating peace in Gaza. It's golf. It's a game. Calling a woman playing a fall golf event a gimmick? Who cares? It's a fall golf event. Give someone a reason to watch. What's worse is this guy, Peter Malnati, is on the PGA Tour policy board. Why don't you, Peter, fix the gimmicky playoffs and the staggered start for the tour championship before you go and call Lexi Thompson's appearance in a very forgettable event a gimmick? I got to interject here. Knowing that now, what are you talking about, dude? Put your phone down, disable your Twitter, bro. You can't be on that and spouting off like that. I thought this was just some fucking writer you're talking about. No, he's the 202nd ranked player in the world. It gets worse. If you're going to call her showing up a gimmick, you better go out there and beat her brains in. But you didn't. You shot 72, 76, missed the cut, and finished six she beat him behind her. She waxed him. And he called her a gimmick? Before the event, he called her a gimmick. So he couldn't even back Holy that up. Holy fuck. This guy better get on the apology train and buy a ticket for two just so he can have no one sit next to him. (laughs) Unbelievable. The bigger question is, who's asking Peter Malnati what he thinks about anything? Actually, the better question is, who the hell is Peter Malnati? The only reason I know your name, Pete, is because you ran your mouth and got smoked. Bottom line is this. These fall events are a really hard watch. It's bottom-tier fields playing in bottom-tier events, going up against the NFL on Sundays. By all means, do whatever you have to do to add some spice, especially if that spice doesn't take anything away from the game. To me, starting someone at 10 under par for the Tour Championship is far more egregious and a far more consequential gimmick than having a woman play in the Shriners. The Tour Championship is the greatest gimmick in pro golf. It is. And last I checked, the sponsors, Pete, sign your paycheck so they can do whatever they want when it comes to inviting whoever the hell they want. It's just too bad for you, Malnati. There wasn't a paycheck waiting after you shot a 72-76 and lost to Lexi by six strokes. It's probably a rental. And uh, I don't know if you got the upgraded coverage, but Peter, I'd be careful slamming that trunk, bud. <laughs> don't don't slam it too hard if you know what I'm saying. You trunk slamming motherfucker. <laughs>
can't be calling a girl a gimmick and slam your trunk on your way out of town. Oh, my God. What a clown. Clown comment of the year. Moving on to a very quick piece of news, and only because I mentioned it last week, the Neon Cheetahs, my daughter's U8 girls recreational soccer team in Fullerton, California, came into the game this past Saturday undefeated at 6-0, and and my daughter Penelope is a big reason why 10 goals, three game winners on the season. But Engel, you and I discussed it last week, every team has to lose, and the parents and kids are going to have to deal with that at some point this year. So guess what happened on Saturday? Womp, womp, womp. No, three <laughs> to nothing cheetahs. Three to nothing, and Penelope, my daughter, scored all three goals. Wow, the hat trick. I took her to Carl's Jr. afterwards and said- Carl's Jr.? People still go there? I took her to Carl's Jr. afterwards, and I said, quote, I brought you here because they named a burger after you. And then I ordered her a superstar. Wow. Three games left. The march to 10-0 and 0 is on. Can the Neon Cheetahs do it? We'll keep you posted here on The Fellowship, where we don't talk about the NFL, but we do talk about girls' U8 rec soccer. I watched a little bit of the NFL last night just because it was on while we were prepping dinner because Katie Kai's dad wanted to watch. And they showed going to commercial, dudes tailgating with like costumes on and big foam things on their head. Like, woo! You know, it shows them in the sand. Woo! And you're just like, looks fun. Yeah. I'd rather go to a monster truck rally. It's basically the same thing, right? At least you're not invested in like Bigfoot wins or loses, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to call eight timeouts before Gravedigger crushes 10 cars. All right. The time has come. Let's talk about the (sighs) respective pain caves that we're each living in right now. Mm. Yesterday, I completed the Long Beach Half Marathon, 13.1 miles, and you made some back-breaking progress on your front yard fence. We traded some texts last night. You wrote to me, quote, I'm freaking smoked, literally cramping everywhere. I sent you back a picture of CBD cream I had lathered all over my knees and quads and feet and told you, quote, I can't walk. <laughs> Let's start with you and the fence, because I have some questions about this fence. Before we get there, why don't you just lay it out? What's the project? How far along are you? Why are you doing this? And how do you feel right now? Banged up. Construction, carpentry, whatever you want to call it, building. It's easier the more people you have, you know? But when you're kind of like picking away at it, homeowner style, doing it yourself, you're doing the work of many, so you're banged up. We've been blessed that in our neighborhood that we bought our house in, was built in the 60s and the lots are big especially by today's standards so we have a big backyard which is nice but the backyard year round is the sunny side of the house the front gets shade all the time we're like well instead of just having some dumb curb appeal wasted space i'm fencing this bitch in we're gonna make this a zone i'm uh ripping it okay i think you just answered the question that i have for you because it all makes sense now I'm not judging. I'm just asking the question, why the front yard? You don't see a lot of fences of six feet high in the front yard. That's more of a backyard thing. And yeah, I've seen a lot of waist-high vanity fences in the front yard, but I can't ever recall seeing a front yard fence of that height. So I asked my good friend Google last night, why do people put fences in the front yard? And the top reason was security. But you've always told me that South Orange County is the safest place on earth. So- the six-foot-tall fence in the front yard looked a little 
and I don't mean weird in a bad way. I just have never seen a big fence in a front yard. It's kind of like, hey, F you, neighbors, F you, anyone pulling up to the driveway. We're closed off. Yeah. And now you're telling me why. And it's because the front yard is a more appealing climate for the summer months. Yeah. So your front yard is essentially now your backyard. No, it's just utilizing the space, making it private. That privacy on the curb is a rare look. Is it? I don't know. I mean, I I was trying to think, when have I ever pulled up to a house and I saw a six-foot-tall fence in the front yard? I mean, you go out to Palm Springs, they're everywhere. Okay. I can think of three on my street. Again, not judging, just curious. Sounds like you're judging. I'm not. You can judge me. I'm a career renter. So just as a aspiring homeowner, I was wondering- I'll tell you what. When we put the putting green in and we're all gated in and the dogs and the baby are just running free and- the front door's wide open and the breeze is going through the house and we're sitting out there on the little patio on the pad we poured, having a summer meal in the shade, eating some tacos, drinking some margaritas with the bar open. You're going to come over and you're going to go, fuck. Yeah. Actually, you're going to go, fuck me. <laughs> That's what you're going to say. Okay. Because it's going to be resort living at its finest. It all makes sense. And we won't see anybody walking by. When are you going to be done with this project? I'm thinking two more weekends will be cherry. Then I'm going to start like my wife always does on, on Instagram. She uses Instagram sometimes like LinkedIn. She finds ideas or people to help with things, things to sell, things to buy, things to hire. I'm going to just selfishly put it out there on tips. I'd like someone to help sponsor putting a putting green in at my house, you know? Yeah. I've got it all prepped. Let's see who, the, who makes the best putting greens. You know, we'll do a little trade. Like any influencer, you can promise to make a cool video and get lots of likes and engagement. Those likes and engagement will translate directly into business for this person. Should. I mean, you've seen what I do. The Long Beach Half Marathon, Sunday, October 15th. I asked you to run it with me two months ago. You declined with prejudice. The day finally came yesterday. Now, I've done a handful of these longer organized runs before. And organized I, runs. Is that what they call it? That's what I call it. I like that. It's an organized run. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a family fun run or a turkey trot 5K. I have two full marathons and two half marathons under my size 36 belt. And boy, do I wish I had a size 32 belt. But we are getting there. So yesterday was my third half marathon. The question is Why? Why pay to torture yourself? Why sign up to show up in a crowded city at five in the morning to hang a growler in a Porter John and eat brown bananas all in the name of a participation medal? Why put yourself through this? The answer is... Narcissism. <laughs> the answer is multifaceted. I heard a Navy SEAL once say on the Jim Brown show that you should always have something scary on your calendar, something scheduled that you can't get out of, something that keeps you accountable and forces you to make the decisions that I've had to make the last two months. Eating better, not drinking, going to bed earlier, pounding the pavement on numerous training runs. That's that's advice that sounds like it comes from someone who can't golf. Okay. I bet you that guy can't even hit a ball. What does one have to do with the other? Just my opinion. And I'm not going and actively seeking the advice of Navy SEALs. I'm just a producer on a show that the Navy SEAL was on. And sometimes you glean some information from people. Yeah, he probably shaves his arms too. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway. Get on with your paragraph, dude. By signing up for one of these runs, you're not paying for a medal or an ego stroke. Are you not paying for a medal? 
you're paying for the long term. That's debatable. That's debatable, folks. You're paying for the long-term accountability. You're spending $150 to keep your mind and body sharp for 60 days, sometimes more. You're paying for the sense of fear as the day gets closer and you want to slip back into bad habits, but you know that you can't. You're paying for the feeling of crossing the starting line, knowing that the only way back is on your own two feet. You're paying for the sense of community, the humanity of it all as you see kids 20 years younger than you and seniors 40 years older than you all attempting the same thing on the same day at the same time at the same place. You're paying to be surrounded by thousands of people who all showed up for thousands of different reasons, whether they're running because they beat cancer a year ago and now they're cementing their comeback or they're pushing their disabled child in a wheelchair so that kid can experience the race or they're in full firefighter's gear running with the weight of their fallen brothers on their backs. That's what you're paying for. It's not the medal. It's not the ego. It's a celebration of the accountability and the willpower of thousands of people who all got to the starting line with you and knowing that everyone worked hard for a long time to be there. Yes, you could run 13.1 miles by yourself for free any day of the week, but you could also not run those 13.1 miles because who's going to know? Who's going to care? I think I speak for a lot of people If I'm only accountable to myself, if I only have to answer to myself, I get weak, I take time off, I skip runs, I eat poorly, I drink a lot of alcohol, I'll reschedule workouts and often never get back to them. So the community of everyone that you're with is helping you and you're helping them and it's downright magical. For $150 to be on the right path for two months and to experience that collective feeling is the biggest bargain in self-help. $150 gets you what? One therapy session? $150 for an endurance run gets you two months of accountability and a lifetime of motivation. Go ahead, debunk it all. I came in here wearing my medal, limping around. You made fun of me. I've been made fun of for this before on the Jim Rome show. What do you want to say about the endurance community and how hilarious it is? endurance community? What else do you call it? I don't know what else to call it. I think it's $150 for a gimmick. (laughs) Look, I see your point where you're trying to go with this. My buddy Matt runs these like crazy races through the fucking Grand Canyon and shit. These gnarly hike run things. That's like, whoa, different. Run around in circles in Long Beach. I can think of 3 million things I'd rather do on a Saturday for 150 bucks. Just so I can take a picture like you did and put your medal on. What are we talking about here? What did it really accomplish? Now, yeah, there's... The Fallen Brother firefighters, there's the guys and girls in wheelchairs, and that's all feel-good stuff. But you're neither of those. So I'm happy for you that you got to do no, something. No, you're not. Don't lie. You're not. You're you're smiling through your mustache it's, it's right just, now. You're... It's just gimmicky, dude. It's, it's gimmicky. Now, if that's what you need to get your motivation for the rest of your life, good for you. Like, whatever. I just think it's silly that you, quote-unquote, accomplished something this weekend. Well... You know, I'm accomplishing putting some privacy and resort living in my life. So run on over to my place and <laughs> grab a cocktail in the bar and sit in the shade of the front yard, why don't you? I will, because I believe in experiencing things that other people are all about so that I might know for myself. Signing up to jog in the Long Beach Half K, what's it called? You know what it's called. 
half marathon. Yep. That's like, hey, it's Labor Day. Let's go to the beach. You know, you can go to the beach with a quarter of the people any other time of the year. You got to go then, don't you? I already explained why you go with other people, why you sign up for it, why you pay for it, why that collective community all bringing their different goals to the starting line is worth something. Good for you. Happy for you. Okay. So remember when I asked you about why the front yard fence, I asked with an open mind. I asked out of genuine- Did you? Yep, I did. Did you? I asked with genuine curiosity. I asked with a willingness to learn. I asked with an open mind. And after you explained it to me, I said, that makes a lot of sense. The first thing I said before I even started is, I get where you're going with this, and I understand what you're saying. It would make more sense to me if it was like a destination thing, running around Long Beach. Come on. If it was somewhere cool, I'd be like, oh, that's something to pay to look forward to. What on earth did you see in that run that you'll never forget besides jumping over human feces? Oh my gosh, it's Long Beach, not San Francisco. And, <laughs> and by the way, you want to know someone's from South Orange County, listen to them talk about something that they simultaneously admit they have no idea about, but then have the most authoritative opinion on. That was a joke. That it's is South... Author- authoritative. You're so dramatic, dude. <laughs> just because you got some stupid metal around your neck. Here come the true colors, folks. You know, it's just authoritative. <laughs> cool story, dude. So on the course, which by the way, you're not running around in circles. Thank you very much. Have you been to Long Beach? There are lighthouses. There's the Queen Mary. There's the Catalina Express boats. You're running by all of them. Then you My sp- family's from Long Beach. Then you spent... Okay, and they are really upset without you're talking about this great city, the 562, Long Beach. Hey, things change. Okay, (laughs) but not you. The sights that you see on the run are incredible. The people that you see are great. The volunteers that are giving you fuel and water, fantastic. I disagree because when you're bouncing around in pain, think about what your eyes are doing the whole time. They're going like this. You didn't see anything but just like blurry vision of all these sights. You're forcing yourself to see this in a positive life when you know it was fucking miserable. The first nine miles were great. The last four were absolutely miserable, and I'm paying for it. But, and this will be the last thing I say about it. Good. (laughs) This race, for me, Sucked. (laughs) I'll let you do the take. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, This race, for me, was an atonement. I was atoning for three years of Well, you don't look like you're atoning to me, dude. Okay. (laughs) Just just bouncing that 36 around all day. All right. Listen, three years of gluttonous habits that were born. I feel like you're blaming that on me. I'm not. I'm not. Here's what it was. For me, it was a perfect storm of the pandemic happens. People stay home. They binge Netflix series in ways that they never have before. They're ordering DoorDash. They're crushing alcohol seven nights a week. And that was me. And these habits were justified by this collective feeling of fear and needing to self-soothe. And we all kind of went down this path together. And while I was going down this path, I was also working at the Jim Rome show. And shortly after leaving the Jim Rome show, which was like this giant ball of stress, like Atlas carrying the world coming off of my back, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. But now I don't have to wake up at four in the morning. Now I don't have to work on this show. So I got drunk quite literally, not only on the booze in front of me, but on the freedom of it. And then all of these habits just manifested into my new personality 
of the path of least resistance. What feels good immediately, I'm going to do it. As the world returned to normalcy, my bad habits outlasted the pandemic. And I wonder how many other people feel that way too, because just because the light switch gets turned back on and restaurants open up and people can go back to work and we're not wearing masks anymore, that doesn't mean that I still don't want to sit on the couch with my wife and watch Bravo for eight hours straight and eat Rubio's that was delivered to me by DoorDash and drink- You get Rubio's delivered? And drink Miller Lights and, and all that stuff. Soggy fish tacos. So I got to my worst physical and mental state from 2020 to early 2023. And I needed to know that I could still do something that I used to do. And that's why I signed up for the marathon. It wasn't- You needed to know that you could do something in front of a bunch of people you don't know. It's not- When you could just go do it right now on your own time. Did you not hear the point that I made where- I heard the point and I'm making one myself. But I don't need to remake the point that if I just did it for me, I'm going to look for the path of least resistance and not go out. Wouldn't you get more- out of this, motivationally speaking, if you did do it on your own, since it's harder to do on your own because it's easier to quit and do that stuff, wouldn't wouldn't it be more fulfilled than like showing up for the picture and getting the medal? One hundred percent. If I can get to a point, where so I'm right. You raise an interesting point, but you're not right. Oh, okay. If I could self-start and self-sustain, I would be the happiest guy in the world. But I am not a good self-starter, nor am I a good self-sustainer. Well, maybe you should try that next time. So my version of trying it was signing up for this thing two months out and then having to stick to the plan, stick to the regimen, stick to the diet, stick to the training. So I got two months of great health that culminated in a really fun day with a really good friend. Shout out to Jimmer Smith. He ran a hell of a race yesterday. Did you guys go to In-N-Out afterwards and take photos? We went to BJ's. Wow. You ever been to BJ's? Okay. All right. All right. And I mean it when I say it. Take it easy. You know what? What an episode, huh, folks? What? Yeah. What yeah. No, you're having a good one. I, this is fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Women playing in golf is a gimmick. Lexi Thompson didn't deserve it. And half marathons are totally full of shit. Now, everyone come to my front yard and enjoy my resort style living. Yeah. What's wrong life. with that? <laughs> Very good. No, you've had a hell of an episode, and I appreciate it. Yeah, we went to BJ's afterwards. All fun and games till you get the bill. 40 bucks for fried egg rolls or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, the avocado egg rolls, which we got. It's crazy. Everywhere's like that now. Yeah, but especially BJ's. Do you want to guess the post-half marathon beer that I went with? Some dumb IPA, I'm guessing. Nope. I'll give you a hint. Hmm. It's been referred to as the healthiest beer on the planet and they once used the advertising tagline it's good for you no idea guinness Ooh, guinness is good yeah and it's good for you according yeah. to their ads yeah better i guess yeah great yeah guinness is great great a lot beer. of people they see stouts and ambers and stuff like that and they're like oh that's they're like the smoothest beers on earth unbelievable yeah so good so good yeah so anyway that's done and we don't have to ever talk about it again i'm glad that until we- the next time you sign up for one of these stupid things and i'll invite you again yeah and i'll uh build a fence again that weekend <laughs> you've built a fence around open-mindedness <laughs> yeah exactly well the meal is over the bill has come it's time for us to settle up thank you so much for listening to this episode of the fellowship and as always we will catch you next monday thanks guys thanks guys